0: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Tribune Audio Network.
1: He came and played for five days and he was going, he was me over $200,000 a hand. And you sit there and think, $200,000 a hand. See, my house isn't even worth that much. Like, God, people could really... pay off some college <laughs> tuition, <laughs> car payments, houses, all sorts of
0: stuff.
1: And that's gambling, when you're the house and you're willing to take a wager like that.
0: From the Fox 6 Studios, this is definitely Milwaukee. Conversations with the movers and shakers that put our slice of Wisconsin on the map in the worlds of entertainment, business, sports, and more. I'm Carl Deffenbaugh. Putting all the cards on the table. With decades of experience at casinos across the country, CEO and GM of Pottawatomie Hotel and Casino, Rodney Ferguson, has some pretty good stories. From the high roller that walked in with a check for $3 million to what it was like working for Donald
1: Trump. He's one that, you know, has to be his way. Otherwise, he may not be there.
0: A CPA by trade, Ferguson has held numerous positions at Pottawatomie before getting promoted to CEO in September of 2017. We sat down on the 19th floor of the hotel's brand new tower to discuss why Pottawatomie has been such a proponent of Milwaukee's streetcar, the Hop, and what he thinks the lasting impact of the DNC will be for our city. There's a lot to get to, so let's get rolling. We are very happy to be joined here by Rodney Ferguson, the CEO, GM of Pottawatomie Hotel and Casino, in the gorgeous new second tower here at the hotel portion. Rodney, thank you for uh, letting us uh, break in the new digs. My pleasure, Carl. Glad to have you here. It's still got the new carpet smell a little bit here as well. Carpet, chairs, and everything. Uh, This is a very exciting time for you guys here at Pottawatomie as you are getting ready to open the second tower, which has been in construction for a little bit now. That's just one of many things going on. I guess they say the house always wins. You guys are at least doing all right for yourselves. It looks We're like from the look okay. of this. Yeah,
1: okay <laughs> enough to put up the second tower and add a few more amenities for our guests. We're pretty excited about it.
0: Why was this uh, such an exciting time and also the right time for the hotel to expand?
1: Well, you know, when we built the initial tower, um, the consultants we used said that, you know, why don't you just put in like 67% occupancy as a start? If you can achieve that, you'll be doing quite well. Well, lo and behold, four or almost five years later, we're averaging over ninety-five percent occupancy. Really? Even this month, we're averaging ninety-nine plus percent occupancy. And is that weekend specifically, or that's this that's, is all month long? All month, wow. Yeah, so it was time. Yeah. It was time to, you know, it takes you know between eighteen to twenty eighteen to twenty-four months to put up something like this. So we figured, we might as well get started now, because you know turning away guests isn't a good thing. Um, but that's the part of the reason why we had to do it, when and we
0: did. And you guys now become the second. Ho- largest hotel once this is up and running, with 500 rooms in the Milwaukee area. That is correct. Just in time for the DNC, which I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions about uh, down the road here in this podcast. But I wanted to step back a little bit. You have a long long history in the gaming industry all across the country, not just here in Milwaukee and at Pottawatomie. Was the casino industry something that appealed to you at at a young age? Were you a gambler growing up? How did you uh, get into this industry in the first place?
1: No, I was not a gambler. Um, Actually, I'm a CPA by profession. Folks look at me and say, like, you're a CPA, one of those <laughs> green eye shade guys? No. Well, I, I am. Right. <laughs> but I've been a CPA since 1982. Um, got my accounting degree in, at Virginia State. And then about five years later into, I went to work for one of the largest CPA firms in the country. Um, it's now Coopers. Um, it was Cooper's and Library when I was there. So I got a, a call from a recruiter. I was sitting in the office between jobs and said, you want to come down to Lang City and talk to some folks about working in Lang City? So, okay, maybe I can give it a shot. Went down, did the interview. Day later, they made me an offer, and the rest is history. Tough to say no to that, I guess. Yeah, so from 1983 until today, I've been pretty much in the industry. I got out a couple of times, actually started my own CPA firm, once in Atlantic City to help out some small businesses. Each time, you just pull me back in just because of the excitement about being in this business.
0: Yeah, what is it that separates the gaming industry versus some of the other ways you could have gone, the pursuits you could have followed? What's different It's
1: all about entertainment. Seeing, you know, everyday folks of all walks of life come inside one facility, sitting down, and just enjoying themselves. It doesn't matter whether they win or lose. They're sitting down, you know, just escaping from their normal day-to-day lives. And when you can see walking across the floor, folks... Jumping up and down, laughing with each other—you know, just the camaraderie with each other, um, either in the daytime, in the evening, or night—it just, I it just keeps bringing me back. Yeah, I you guys are
0: 24/7. You can find that up pretty much any time of day. Absolutely. Do you have a favorite kind of thing you get to see on the floor? How often do you walk the floor to get a sense for what's going on in your casino?
1: I walk the floor every day. Yeah. Um, for a number of reasons, uh, mainly just to see the guests, see their experiences, talk to them if there's something we can do better to improve the quality of service that they're getting and to talk to the team members. Because in my mind, if you don't have happy team members, you won't have happy guests. So anything we can do to improve the quality of the service, I am more than happy to make sure it happens.
0: One of the, the things I heard in talking to one of your uh, employees here, trying to do my research for this podcast, is that you're one of those guys who will know a lot of the names of the people that work for you. There's thousands of people that work here at the hotel and casino. But why is that important to you, and, and is that difficult, or does that come naturally for you?
1: Um, it's difficult for me because I don't instantly connect. So what I try to do is, and once you tell me the name, I try to relate it to something, like Carl. Someone who works in accounting named Carl so I got to remember your name. Gotcha. All but right. what I try to do is to have a personal relationship with, with team members, not personal like in, you know, hanging out know all your side. business right. and hanging out with them, just knowing something about them more than just what they do in their job. If you have family, if you have kids, grandkids, what have you, I sit and, you know, walk through the property and talk to them about that. Oh, how's it going? Been on vacation this summer. How are the kids doing? How's the softball league doing? And that way they feel that, you know, I'm one of them. Because I am. And my philosophy is, there's no job more important than the other. My job is equally as important as any job on this property. And that's really how I connect with the team.
0: You've worked all across the country at uh, a number of different places. I know I saw Oregon on the resume, New Mexico, you mentioned Atlantic City as well. What is it about Milwaukee as a city that attracted you as well, not just Pottawatomie and the job here once you got started?
1: Well, I've been to the Midwest um, before. I worked in Cincinnati, well, Indiana. I lived in Cincinnati. Yeah. And there's something about the East Coast, having grown up in the East Coast, you have a certain personality, aggressive, high energy, always want things done yesterday, I mean, yeah, yesterday. Right, <laughs> that's and well said. On the West Coast, is you know, kind of more laid back, subdued. In the Midwest, it's like a combination of both. Hmm. There's a high energy here, there's, everybody wants to move forward. And Milwaukee, I visited Milwaukee once before in the past when I was working for a uh, consulting firm, which was headquartered here. And just fell in love with the fact that it's right on by the lake. I love water. And there's so many things to do. I mean, you have two major league baseball teams. You have all the entertainment you can find in any major city. But you still have that small town feeling about the city. Yeah, You can get around pretty easily, you know, and go to any types of restaurants, any type of, especially in down by the lake with yeah. the summer fest and all the festivals that goes on during the summer. So that's part of the reason. Any favorite pl- spots you want to uh, shout out that you've uh, come to love over the years here in Milwaukee? Well, I've traveled a lot. I mean, I live downtown, and I pretty much share the wealth, that's <laughs> Yeah, I love going down, you know, just walking down by the lake. I mean, just, you know, just taking in some fresh air. Because when you're here all day, you pretty much stay inside all day. Sure. So I love getting outside. But um, my wife and I we you know, we go to clean the restaurants and 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 of course being here as well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, you guys got your fair share of good restaurants inside as well. Uh, you mentioned Atlantic City, and I was going to ask you about this. Uh, anyway, one of the places you did work for was the, the Trump con- Casino in Atlantic City. Yes. I believe also worked for the uh, the Trump business in uh, Riverboat as well in mm-hmm. Indiana. Indiana yes. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have any dealings, given the the man that's in the White House right now for our country, did you have any dealings with the, the now president himself or any other members that show up in the news these days?
1: I did. Yeah, yeah uh, when I was the financial control and then eventually director of finance at Trump Plaza. I, I met uh, the president um, while well, he was the owner at the time. Yeah. And, you know, pretty much his mindset is, is to make sure that the image and the brand of the Trump organization is throughout the property, from mirrors having no fingerprints, to all the trash cans being empty all the time, to just perfection. And... It's a challenge sometimes because with so many folks coming in and out of the building and having staff to, to do that. I mean, we face those challenges in Lank City as well as all the other places that worked around the country. But he's one that, you know, has to be his way. Yeah. Otherwise, you may yeah. not be there.
0: His, uh, his victory in 2016, at least when you were looking at the polling, was a little bit of an upset, and certainly here in Wisconsin, the state that had gone blue for so long. Yes. From what you knew of him and your interactions with him, were you surprised that he was the eventual president of the United States, or was that not a surprise given the success that he's had in his other aspects of life?
1: I was very surprised. Really? I think he may have been surprised as well. <laughs> yeah. Just the fact that to have a non-politician be in the highest office of the land is something that no one in this country has ever really experienced at least as far as I can remember, experience. Yeah. So your traditional president has been someone who's either been a senator, or congressman, what have you, and then to have someone from a business world be in that particular role, you know, I think it caught a lot of folks off guard. And, you know, it is what it is today. Are there th-
0: things about the way that he has run the country, run his administration that that you recognize from the way the business side of things are run from your experience inside?
1: Yes. I think probably the biggest, I'll say called challenge of working for for him is, you know, if things don't go exactly the way that he thinks it should go, he'll replace you. I mean, in his business, you know, at the casinos, he will replace, you know, presidents and vice presidents if things go south. And I think you can, the whole world can see what happens with his cabinet. Yeah, there's been if plenty things, of turnover. Yeah, it's a lot of turnover there, and that's pretty much has been the history of of him during the course of his career. Yeah. And, you know, not to say that he's the only one that's fired people. I've sure. fired folks as well. But it comes to a point in time you have, having, you know, consistency and having longevity helps make things go a lot smoother. Yeah. And that's kind of been my philosophy. I mentioned to someone before, you know, you can learn something from anybody, good or bad. And what you try to do is improve upon what's good and then try not to do what you think is bad. So I kind of like look at a lot of different owners around the country, including um, Mr. Trump and other folks I've worked for and try to take a little bit from here, a little bit from there to try to improve the overall aspect of the business I operate.
0: On the other side of the aisle, the Democratic National Convention is coming here to Milwaukee next year, and, and no matter where you fall on the political spectrum, it's supposed to be a huge boost to a city like Milwaukee to land that. I know you guys are kind of at the forefront of offering up both hotel and meeting space for that. Tell me about uh, the process to land the DNC. I know you guys were heavily involved, and why you thought it was so important, uh,
1: a pursuit for Milwaukee. Having the DNC here in Milwaukee is, is, is huge. You know, there's so many cities around the country that, you know, went after to get the convention there. And we were fortunate enough to to be able to position ourselves to be able to do that. I mean, to have, you know, owners of the Bucks like Mark, I mean, Lazary, and all the other prominent folks in the city to be get behind it, I think, helped out. But at the same time, you know, all the hotel operators, all the restaurant operators, everybody in the region had to step up and say yes we can do it. Milwaukee may not be the largest city in the country or in the top 10. But at the same time we we handle a lot of different things. We handle the Harley sure. you know anniversary with 150,000 folks coming through town. We handle Summerfest every single year. We handle the state fair. There's no reason why you know when we presented to the committee that we couldn't be able to do that as well.
0: What do you hope the, the lasting impact of the DNC here in Milwaukee is? Not just putting on a great show for the week that all those people will be here in town, but the fact that Milwaukee will get named all week long in all those different programs all across the country. What do you hope the lasting impact will be?
1: I hope when, when folks turn on the TV and the ones that show up here in Milwaukee, they can say, you know what, we knew everything was going to be okay, but they exceeded our expectations. And when that happens, the whole world will know we can not only put on a convention the size of DNC, we can put on other types of events. It could be the RNC. It could be the NBA All-Star Game. It could be the Major League Baseball um, All-Star Game. It could be any type of event that we may not have had in the past. But because we were successful at putting on the DNC's convention, we should be able to step it up to the next level.
0: Kind of sets the standard or raises the bar for, Absolutely. for what the city can do. Very nice. Uh, one of the thing, other things that Pottawatomi and, and you have also been a big proponent of is, is the streetcar here in Milwaukee. It's got mm-hmm. your guy's name on it. Yes. <laughs> the hop as it rolls through town. Why was that something that you guys wanted to to be behind and sponsor? Because it was a big sponsorship for you. It
1: was very big. You know, the fortunate part of living across the country, you see different means of transportation. You see how different cities operate. And I've was fortunate enough to live in a number of cities who had streetcars. Then I looked at Milwaukee and and saw some of the challenges in trying to get that approved by the city council and the mayor's office. And I said, you know, in order for Milwaukee to to move a step forward into the future and be a place where businesses and workers who want to come to, we need to get to the next phase of transportation. And saw the streetcar as an avenue that could step us up to the next level and position us for things like the DNC. So when I met with the, the city, I said, "Yeah, you know what? It makes sense for us. Not necessarily for the streetcar to come by Potawatomi, but it makes sense for the city. It makes sense for us from the standpoint we could actually market ourselves outside of just having a name inside the, the building, and at the same time have the streetcar go up and down downtown Milwaukee and in the future throughout." Whole city. So when individuals come to town, get off at the Intermodal Station, streetcars there. What's the first thing you see? The Hop, presented by Potawatomi <laughs> Hotel and Casino. Welcome to Milwaukee.
0: There you, <laughs> there you go. I'm sure the hope too, like you said, is that it will continue to grow and, and connect to you guys as well as another avenue for getting customers and, and patrons in here. Is there a, an expectation that that will happen, or that that is more up in the air that it would eventually come? Probably out more
1: form? up in the air. I think there's a lot more areas that can take advantage of the streetcar first, then coming here. We already get over six million people coming here. We have a parking structure, it's easy to get in and out. Would it be great? Absolutely. There were streetcars, streetcars rail tracks, right in front of this building right here, down in the valley years and years ago. So natural progression after, in the key cities like Bronzeville, you know, Walker's Point, and other areas of the city, Certainly, it makes sense to come out here with the Harley Museum at one end of the Menominee Valley and the Miller Park at the other end. You know, having a means of transportation like the streetcar, I think it's going to further enhance the Menominee Valley. Yeah. Because I'll say, uh, just from my personal perspective, I live downtown in,
0: in uh, near Bronzeville, actually. Um, and for me, it's still at the point where it's a little bit of an effort to use it, if that makes sense. Like, I have to kind of go out of my way to use the streetcar to get to different places I'm going around town. Right. And I know the goal is for it to expand down the road, but... Mm-hmm how how does it change from more of an attraction, more people saying, hey, we'll go out and ride the hop tonight or check that out to an actual, more functional mode of transportation?
1: Yeah, and I, and I think when, you know, the last couple of weeks when it reached probably the, the most they've ever had, um, close to 9,000 riders on a, on a particular day, you know, the goal is to, you know, build, the goal has been is to build it in phases. And once, all the phases are done, it will be a lot easier for most of the residents and guests coming to the city to be able to ride it and connect to the different parts. If you live in the city like I do, I live like a, a block away from, yeah. from, from the streetcar. I've used it, hopped, hopped on it, <laughs> and went downtown, went to dinner, left dinner, walked across the street, hopped back on it and went back to the apartment. So it's easy if you're downtown but once the extension is made into the Bronzeville Walker Points area, I think the connection to the different sites will make it a lot more easier for for guests and residents to be able to to use, utilize the system. Gotcha.
0: Well speaking of connections, not not so much physical, but uh, the casino itself has so closely tied to the Forest County Pottawatomie tribe. It's in the name, it's in of course so much that you guys do here. Uh, you yourself don't have a Native American background, is that correct?
1: I well, I do not. I'm not in a role member or anything. Yeah. When I, my daughter did one of those genealogy yeah. things over the holidays, and
0: I haven't done one of those,
1: but I'm yeah. fascinated by them. But I am one sixteenth of a tribe back in Virginia, where oh, I'm originally from. Yeah, but the yeah the owners, the Forest County Potawatomi Community of Wisconsin, is the owners. They actually lived in the Menominee Valley hundreds of years ago, so this is their historical land that the casino is actually on. So, and they take pride in, you know, the fact that they were able to come back when this area, you know, over time, turned to an industrial type of setting. Then the business just completely went out of business and you had the brownfields and the tribe say, you know what, this is our land, we want to come back and help restore a lot of those um, blighted areas. And they bought a site here which was a small bingo hall back in 1991. And today, look where we are. <laughs> I mean, they've grown over the time, you know, and the community has, you know, wrapped their arms around the tribe and said, thank you. And the tribe, you know, in return tries to give back to the community saying, thank you for helping us do what we can do for the valley and for the city of Milwaukee. And as much as we can, we will continue to give back through the foundation as well as through the things we do at the casino.
0: I imagine that changes the mandate a little bit as, as the the guy running things here, too, where the job is to, to make sure the guests have a great time, make sure the experience is good, there's entertainment, make sure you guys are making some money, too, of Absolutely. course, from all the games and, and the hotel. But there's a whole different side to it that's the, the respect and the tradition to the tribe. I think that would be different than other businesses around town or other lines of work in that regard. Yeah,
1: and, and I've worked in both commercial gaming as well as Native American gaming. And pretty much the difference is the ownership. When you're working in this environment, you're working to improve the lives of families, improve the infrastructure of reservations, allowing tribal members to have medical care, housing, education, you know, community centers, things that you know a commercial enterprise doesn't necessarily care about if they're in a particular city, but Indian own casinos that's what their primary purpose is to allow them to be self-sustaining and that's really what i really you know take pride in and try to maximize the return on investment for anything that we build or do here at the casino anything assets that we or inner innovations that we do here my goal is to make sure that the tribe is getting a return and they can improve their quality of life.
0: Yeah, there's a whole another level of responsibility almost with, with that job as well. Exactly,
1: and as well as taking care of the team members here that actually do all the work. And sure. you know, they're the ones who make the difference and we try to make sure that the team members are taken care of as well as the membership of the tribe. Yeah,
0: and you guys do have a pretty remarkable record of diversity hiring as well for the area as well. I believe over 50% with the Well actually, the over 60 Over 60 wow, even better. Yes. That's fantastic. Um, on the lines of, of gaming and the way the industry is changing, one of the big uh, news stories nationally is kind of the expansion of sports betting all mm-hmm. around the country. That's coming to a number of different states outside of Vegas. Yes, uh, I know there's a lot that would have to happen here in Wisconsin for that to come. Some changes to the to the state laws and your guys' partnership as well. Do you think that's a, a possibility in the future? Is that something that you guys are already kind of looking into, at least feelers or exploration for how that could work for Potawatomi?
1: Yes, we looked at. It. We've done quite a bit of research. Uh, we have, well, I attend quite a few conferences, gaming conferences throughout the year, from the Global Gaming Expo that's usually in Vegas every year to the National Indian Gaming Association's conferences. And we've had enough, once the law was passed, we have a number of conferences in terms of what it takes to get sports betting up and running. The biggest challenge is the cost to get it set up and the risks associated with sports betting and the margins are very, very small. Some states, those who have already passed, some states are doing quite well. Like in Langley City, for example, you have a number of casinos that have already got licenses and doing sports betting and making some decent money. There are others who aren't making hardly any at all. So what I tried to do, again, put my finance background and my little CPA cap back on, is to see whether it makes sense for us. The goal, the sports spending is to get more people in the door and to allow them to wager more than what they're doing. So it'll come down to a balancing act. Is it, does it cost more for us to set it up than the amount of money we'll be making long term? Yeah. So we are still evaluating whether it makes sense or not. There's a lot of, like you say, a lot of legislative type things has to take place in, in Madison before that can actually happen. So we'll see.
0: Well, that's something I I imagine a lot of people who are just like, yeah, I want to bet on March Madness wouldn't necessarily know that that there's so much kind of financial decision that go into that as well. Absolutely. And there's a
1: lot of risk. I mean, certainly if you're the house and someone puts down a million dollars (laughs) and the odds are 12 to 1, guess what? You're going to be losing a lot of money. Yep. (laughs) That guy's celebrating somewhere. We like to keep things say so we're not in the gambling business we're in the gaming business Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what, is, what is kind of the difference there because it is a form of entertainment for so many people it is just kind of a way to, to spend a night out and even if you lose some you had entertainment for a number of hours versus the, the more serious gambling side of it where some right. people can kind of get lost in
1: it. yeah I mean having worked in, in Lang City where we took any bets at all I yeah. mean I re- still remember to this day when a guy come in had a check in his wallet for three million dollars They'd been in his wallet for six months and had to convert it from yen to U.S. dollars. We came and played for five days, and he was going, he was raising over $200,000 a hand. And you sit there and think, $200,000 a hand? I said, my house isn't even worth that much. A lot of people could pay off some college tuition, car payments, houses, all sorts of
0: stuff. That's
1: gambling. When you're the house and you're willing to take a wager like that, which can make your numbers go up, or down, which they did for the whole five days. You know, one hour we were up four million. Next hour we were down six million. That's gambling. You know, we kind of like hedge our bets here, where we keep our limits reasonable. We don't want to put too much of our funds at risk. At the same time, it protects the players as well. So that's more gaming in my mind. So we try to make sure that we don't take too big of a hit or win too much at the same time. So it's kind of like staying kind of like in the middle of the road. The goal is, is to entertain, to keep the, the guests coming back to the property and saying, you know, I won this time, last time I lost, I'm coming back again. So,
0: I, You said earlier that you yourself weren't a gambler growing up. I imagine that gets the same level of adrenaline when you're watching someone put down $3 million over the course of a few days for your business. It does. I mean, it's
1: it's sometimes mind-boggling when you see just the stacks of chips, black chips stacked up, and that one particular player is – I watched him for about a good 15 minutes, and he had so much money that all he was concerned about was the size of his stack of his, his chips. He just kept pushing them, and they got larger, he just kept pushing more, and then when they got smaller, he ordered some more chips. I yeah I like that <laughs> <laughs>
0: I like that guy I was going to ask you some of your favorite stories I imagine that would be uh, one of the that was one of, one of the top. top ones yeah any was, others that come to mind that uh, were particularly notable or impressive bets or, or great runs or anything there were
1: guys that we would you know send a helicopter pick them up they'll come in fly play they win we we'll write them a check large check fly them back home they'll come back three weeks later with the same check Not even have to cash it like knowing that you know I have this. I got this kind of money, so I can play, and we'll take that check back. And he may lose this time, but you see that, you know, quite often in the larger cities like Las Vegas and Lake City and some of the other larger cities now. But um, we're we're ha- happy with the the model that we have here, mm-hmm. that you know, a lot of players can win a lot of money here, and some can lose a lot of money. But at, at the end of the day, the goal is to keep them coming back and keep everybody
0: happy. Any. Anything- traits that you you recognize that are similar amongst a lot of those high rollers, those guys who are able to play at that high stake or or fork over that much money? Anything that kind of ties them together?
1: Believe it or not, you could actually walk down to the floor today and would not even guess by looking at the person that they're wagering $5,000 a hand. You'll never even think I mean, there are those you see on TV, like in the Vegas movies and stuff like yeah. that, with the sunglasses on and walking in you know, with their entourage sitting at the table with the big cigar. Those are ones most folks assume are the big high rollers, which some of them are, some of them are fake high rollers, sure. too. Just <laughs> they want to on the show for their Playing friends. Apart. But the, your typical person that comes in in this type of environment are your everyday business owner that enjoys gaming. They have a choice. They can either come here, or they can easily hop on a plane and fly out to Las Vegas or somewhere else. Yeah. But they choose to stay here because we have Las Vegas-style gaming right here in their backyard. So we appreciate them coming here, and we try to do our best to make sure they keep coming
0: back. <laughs>
1: Again, keeping
0: that balance for sure. Um, do you? When I know you're not allowed here at your casino, do you gamble at all when you're at other casinos or anything like that? I'm not that? a big,
1: big gambler. I if I go to Vegas or to a show somewhere else I will play video poker okay it allows me to to play for a long period of time without having to spend a lot of money (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that's that's pretty much my my little
0: that's the solid accountant background there. Exactly. <laughs> to making sure yeah. that you uh, yeah. limit yourself a little bit. Any favorite games or, or games that you think uh, listeners sh- maybe should know a little about? What games are, are better for for the customer? Better for the house that they should look at? You know, teach.
1: I mean, the mo- the majority of games we have on the floor is blackjack. Yeah. So the majority of folks who come to the casino love playing blackjack. The younger demographics love playing craps because of just all the action that's involved. Yeah. And then it's roulette. Roulette is fun too. If I don't play video poker. I would play roulette hmm. because it's, it's just a, a game. Is to each zone. own. You know, some folks like playing three card poker. You know, or, or poker. We have a poker room as well. Some folks like playing bingo. Yeah. But you know, it's to each zone. own. And I would say anybody that wants to come here, we have all the options for them, even off track betting. Very so nice. come to Potawatomi, you got it all. Even more than some of the places in Vegas and throughout the country, because that's what we do craps is interesting because
0: i am not much of a gambler i've I've spent very little time in in casinos uh thankfully for my bank account as well but because i don't really know what i'm doing but craps just looks fun i have no idea how you actually play but it just looks like a good time whenever you walk by those tables
1: it is and unless you actually know the game you know it's difficult to explain it yeah but yeah and you and we are more than happy carl to show you how to play. <laughs> well,
0: maybe we'll head down here after yes. we uh, get done and see what I can lose. No. <laughs> um, you mentioned some of the movies, too. Are there are there films about gambling, about casino industry, a lot of them Vegas, obviously, that you think are truer to the nature of it or not, or ones that are completely ridiculous?
1: Well, the ones I can remember now, like the casino with yeah. uh, Robert Nero, yeah. that's one of my favorite ones, I like watching it. it kind of like stereotypes, stereotype, the 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 casino environment, which I like the one with... Um, Ben Affleck. Yeah. And that was pretty, pretty cool as well, the boom, boom, room. <laughs> and like 21. Sure. You know, exciting as well. So I, you know, I watch a lot of movies. You can tell I watch a lot of movies and yeah. like watching casino movies and there were some TV shows on as well. But, you know, when you live it every day, you're almost like living the life of being in a movie because you see so many things that go on here that you wouldn't see outside on the street. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, the fortunate part is we have all walks of life, every age, color, race, whatever, throughout the property, and everybody's here for the same, mostly for the same reason is to enjoy themselves. Many come to win, many don't come to win, many come just to see a show or have a nice meal. And that's really what we're looking for, is for you know, as many folks to come here as possible so we can send them on their way happy.
0: Last kind of line of questioning I was going to do here, and you've been very kind with your time. Uh, in in doing my research for this and some of the other podcasts, I try to le- read a lot of news articles, profiles of, of the people that I'm talking to, kind of get a feel for them. There weren't as many, uh, I guess, profile pieces on you as there maybe were on other people. There were a lot of articles about the different business dealings here, the casino, the things going on around the city. Is that intentional on your your side, kind of keeping yourself a little a little more guarded? Or is that just kind of,
1: I did a bad job <laughs> digging? No, that's just, it's just me. I yeah. mean, I, I, I come in the industry, like I is 1983. Yeah. You know, worked in five different states, um, nine different casinos. My daughter told me she thought I was in witness protection. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was always in a different city. Yeah. Every time she tried to call Got to leave town. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But no, when I come to different cities, I try to make an impact. Yeah. You know, at the property and within the city that I, that I go to. And if it shows up in the media, so be it if yeah. it doesn't. I'm kind of like a humble person. I just do what I need to do to make sure everybody's happy.
0: Well, tell me about yourself outside of uh, the business side. What do you enjoy doing? What are some of your interests outside of the gaming industry?
1: Well, when it's warm here in Milwaukee, I like to golf. Nice. In the wintertime, I like to fly back east to Virginia to where my family is. Um, I've been married for 38 years. I have one daughter and two grandkids, a granddaughter of nine and grandson six. And I enjoy spending time with them because it keeps me young. Have to keep working out just to keep up with them. <laughs> That's a workout in and of itself. It right. I enjoy fishing, the outdoors life, and love sports. I love the Bucks and, and the Brewers and and football. Um, just a regular everyday guy. Yeah. I just enjoy life. Life is short, and if you don't uh, enjoy what you can, you know you can wish you had when they <laughs> put you in the ground. Well, there's certainly a lot
0: to enjoy here at Pottawatomie, and you guys make sure of that. Thank you very much for all the time, Rodney. My pleasure, Carl. It is time now for the Fox Six Pack of questions—a chance to get to know one of the voices and faces that you see on Fox Six each and every day. And in today's episode, we have Brett Lemoyne. Thank you very much for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me, Carl. Just celebrated your six-year anniversary here at the station recently, so it's been a nice run for you here in a number of different roles. And we are going to ask you very little about that actual work that you (laughs) do—the great work that you do (laughs) at the station each and every day. Uh, Besides the job, uh, you did grow up here in Wisconsin. But what was it about
2: Milwaukee? What was it about the station that made you want? to work here at Fox 6. Well, I grew up watching Fox 6. There you go. You know, I grew up in Waukesha, uh, went to Waukesha West High School, I'm a proud Wolverine. There you go. Uh, and when I was there, I, I was watching Fox 6 every night, you know, I mean, like Sunday nights, it was a routine, watch the X-Files and then watch uh, Ted Perry on (laughs) Fox 6 News. So this was really a a, a dream, and it was always a goal to come back. This is home for me.
0: It's kind of silly because they're coworkers, but was there a little bit of a starstruck when you finally got to work with Ted and some of the other people?
2: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, when I started, there were still a number of people that were here that, you know, I grew up watching all the time. So yeah, when I walked through the door the first time, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the weather deck, you know, and it's so funny because when we bring people in for tours and things, yeah. you know, that's the first thing that they want to see is the weather deck. And I was so like cool about it when I came when I when I interviewed for the position, and, and the, the news director at the time was like, "Do you want to see the weather deck?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, sure, yeah, that'd be fun." But inside, I was like, "Oh my gosh, you're <laughs> this geeking is where out over Condela lives." <laughs> you know, it was just really cool. That's funny. Uh, outside of work, outside of home,
0: where are we most likely to find you around town? What do you like? to do? Um,
2: well, I mean, uh, obviously, I'm, I'm pretty active in Waukesha on uh, Friday nights, Friday Night Live. I don't know if you've ever experienced no. Friday Night Live Tell in me. Waukesha, but every Friday night in, su- in uh, the summer, there's a, a concert series. Nice. They close down the whole downtown. Um, there's there's a bunch of bands and a lot of fun things to do uh, in downtown Waukesha. So I always try and take that up. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm at home. Playing with my parrot, really, is what I'm doing. I'm definitely going to ask you about that, whether (laughs) it comes out in one of these questions or not. We do have to uh, address We have to get Tegan in there. My mother would be very disappointed if I didn't name-drop Tegan. We'll address the parrot who's unfortunately not in the room. No,
0: he's not. Uh, What and where, whether it's in Waukesha or elsewhere around the area, was the last great
2: meal that you had? Oh, my gosh. Great meal. Um, hmm. I don't know
0: if you're a a foodie particularly. Yeah.
2: You know, I mean, I eat pretty much anything. <laughs> so I guess maybe that means I don't have a very, like... <laughs> you have great acceptance. <laughs> You're yeah. open to anything. Um, but you know what? It's funny because I was just, a couple years ago, um, realized that I had a, a, a gluten intolerance. Huh? Yeah. Oh, now we're getting serious, yeah. Carl. <laughs> um, so that's kind of, um, you know, dictated a lot of things that I can and cannot eat. Sure. Um, but, you know, it's what's great is that nowadays it's like everything. You can go anywhere and you can get stuff that's gluten-free. So... Um, you know, in terms of like best meal, gosh, I was just at the Seven C's. Uh, hmm. It's a restaurant in in Walkershaw County. Had a, a wonderful meal celebrating my mom's all birthday. No, right. oh, so, there you go. Yeah. Happy
0: birthday yeah. to Mama Lemoyne.
2: We won't say how old, no. Mom. Don't worry. <laughs> Young <laughs> at heart
0: and in age as well. Uh, if we are casting the movie of Brett Lemoyne's life, who
2: gets to play the the <laughs> oh lead role gosh. here, the star of the show? <laughs> you know what's funny? I always and this brings it. They'll bring it all back to Fox here. Uh, when I was growing up, uh, people used to say all the time that I looked like the uh, the kid unmarried with children. <laughs> was it Bud Bundy? Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's what I got all the time. Um, Our producer Leanne appreciated she's, that one. She's cracking up in the corner. Um, but now I would say, like, gosh, it's got to be somebody short, right? Well, <laughs> you know, sit down. <laughs> Uh, they filmed
0: Tom Cruise to look like he's six feet, so maybe they could do the opposite if that's necessary. You
2: know, I mean, if I was, if I was like really vain, I would say, um, I would say Tom Cruise. Yeah. Why Uh, not? But you know, like, uh, Eric McCormick, I think would be a good, would be a good cast, uh, a good role for, uh, for him, you know, playing me. Naturally. Uh, There's no no ego involved in that answer. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, like his, his work and he's pretty, pretty dynamic. But Very yeah, cool. I, we'll
0: try to get in contact As long as they're short, that's, that's really, really the only job. requirement.
2: They have to have an annoying laugh and they have to be short. <laughs> Not annoying, just effusive. There, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, what is a talent or skill
0: that we should really know about that maybe you don't get to, uh, display every, every evening or day? on? Oh, Fox wow.
2: Six? Um, gosh, a talent or skill. I have like a really like, uh, crazy encyclopedic uh, mind when it comes to all things Superman. Nice. So if you have like a, I I can bring everything back to Superman somehow, (laughs) which is really sad. Um, but yeah, I grew up, I, I, on the Christopher Reeve movies. I mean, we're just, I mean, still, I watch it like, I don't want to tell you how often I watch (laughs) Superman the movie from 1978, (laughs) but I watch it a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, that really kind of just uh, struck me. I know there's something about that film. Cool, and that that opened uh, up into you know comic books before they were cool. There you, you know, go. Back when yeah. when comic books were just for the over geeks. Here. Yeah, um, and now it's like everybody you know loves comic books and all these Marvel movies and everything. But I've always been a DC fan. There you go. I'm so, more of a Marvel guy, okay, but we can still right, get along. Right. Can I test you here? Yeah. Get to Superman from the Fox Six Weather Deck. From the Oh, well, come on now. (laughs) I would say, okay, so this is weird. Like the first thing that popped into my mind was uh, Vince sure, who had a mustache, uh, and then uh, just when they shot uh, the new Justice League movie that came out a few years ago, when Henry Cavill had to go back for the the reshoots, he had a, a mustache, and they had to digitally alter it. And fun fact about Henry Cavill, so right before I started at Fox 6 the news director was like, what, you know, what day can you, can you start? Cause I was hired in, in 2013, I guess it was. And, uh, I said, Oh gosh, I've got, I've got some commitments, uh, that I need to take care of. And, but I can start on like July one or whatever the date was. I don't, I don't remember in particular, but what I didn't tell him was that the reason why I couldn't start right away is because I was flying to New York and it was a vacation. But really, the, the ultimate goal that I had set out for myself was uh, that was the summer that uh, Man of Steel yeah. premiered. And I was like, well, I'm just going to find a way to get to the premiere no matter what <laughs> I can do. So I we flew out uh, to New York, and uh, there was one day that I was allowed uh, with the people that I was with, they were like, okay, you can have one day to fulfill this whatever fantasy that you have of stalking people, <laughs> and uh, and I said, okay, great, so we went out, and uh, the first, it was, like, a whole day that I had planned of where, like, Henry Cavill was going to be, who plays Superman, and, like, all the other stars, because they were doing a press junket for the movie, so I was outside of Regis, and, or not Regis, it was Kelly oh, and yeah. whoever, Michael Strahan, point. I don't know who was the co-host, but but in my heart, it was it's always, it'll always be Regis. Yeah, should uh, So, stayed outside. I could not, we couldn't get in, couldn't get tickets, uh, and didn't see him when he came uh, in and out of the, the stage door. So, we were like, okay. So, then later that day was the premiere at Lincoln Center for the film. I don't know how I did it. I think, it, I like to... Say it's the Lemoine charm, okay, which, which doesn't get you anywhere at all. But I, I for whatever reason, uh, there was like this huge line, you know, it was the whole red carpet thing outside Lincoln Center and there was a security guard out there. And, uh, and I was like, can I get in here? Can I just be, you know, I'm a huge fan. And he's like, no, it, you know, you had to win, like, some contest or yeah. something and have, like, a special pass. And I was like, you know, I flew all the way from Wisconsin for this. I'm like, I'm a I'm, you know, really big Superman fan. I literally had, like, my Superman shirt on. Underneath your dress shirt, I, like, I ready had to go to the on. I had my glasses on. I didn't even need to wear the glasses. <laughs> it was just a thing. And uh, I convinced him to let me wow. in. And I got... Up in front of all of the stars. I got my picture taken with Henry Cavill, as you know, obviously That's in, amazing. in the movie. So I fulfilled the mission. Yeah. I set out. I set out to go to New York to be a part of the premiere, and by golly, I sure did.
0: Well, if the Justice League or the Daily Bugle needs uh, an <laughs> yeah, extra exactly. helping hand, I think you've proved your worth there. I'm in. That's an amazing story. I love that. Uh, moving right along, let's see. What is the most random job that you've ever had?
2: Random job? Yeah. Um hmm. I've had a lot of random assignments here at Fox (laughs) 6, but um, no, I started, my first job was uh, at Target. Ooh, okay. I worked at Target in Waukesha. Uh, There's now two Targets in Waukesha, but I worked at the first Target in Waukesha. And uh, so I started just as a cashier. This was when I was in high school. And then uh, it was funny. So somehow somebody said at Target, they were like, gosh, you've got a great voice. And I said, oh, thanks. And they so then, like, the next day, I was promoted, and I was, I was the operator. So <laughs> they had me answering all the telephones and making all the overhead pages. Huh. You know, so, like, at night when, when Target closes, yeah. it's, you know, attention, Target guests. The time is now 9.55, and Target will be closing in five minutes. Please make your selections and take them to the checkout lanes. I would follow so that voice I'm, to the checkout lanes I, respectfully in yeah, the store. I was the guy making all of those pages. <laughs> And it was so funny because I would answer the phone, you know, the phone would ring and I'd say, uh, good afternoon, Target, Waukesha, and there'd be dead silence on the other end of the phone, and I'd say, hello, <laughs> and they'd go, oh, I thought you were recording, <laughs> <laughs> So, so that was, I guess, maybe like yeah. my first official broadcasting. It was job. a voice that needed to be heard. <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> All right. Those were our questions. And we didn't get to the
0: parrot. So, without uh, going yeah. too far in depth here for our producers, like, <laughs> we should probably wrap this up a while ago before the Superman talk. Uh, you are one of the few people I know who actually has a pet parrot. And it's more than a pet, it's really a member of your family. Yeah. Give he's me my brother. Give me a.
2: Yeah, <laughs> actually, yeah, my brother, he's my brother. Right? Yeah.
0: Tell I mean, us he says a it. couple of the fun facts. Or just what is so great and wonderful about having a parrot as part of the family?
2: Yeah, so Tegan, uh, he's an African gray parrot, and uh, I just posted a video on my Facebook page, which ended up being uh, the kicker on the 5 o'clock news (laughs) later that night, uh, because he says, because you matter.
1: Nice. Uh, Yeah, so he's (laughs) training.
2: He's a Fox 6 fan (laughs) as well. Um, but yeah, so he's my he's technically he's my parents parrot. because okay. he stays with them most of the time. But I like to think we have joint custody <laughs> um, because he's got cages and all sorts of toys and things at my house, too. So he comes over, uh, you know, for a little vacation uh, sometimes and, and hangs out with his big brother. <laughs> Me. He says, Brett's my brother. Um, So, yeah, I mean, he says a ton of stuff. I mean, and he's really smart. I mean, when he wants food, he asks for it. When he wants water, he asks for it. When he wants to come out of his cage. He says, "I want to come out," and we let him out of his cage. And and does he yeah. have Brett's voice? Does he have that Target voice? As you well? know, I think he's got his own voice, okay. which is really weird because you think that you know parrots like yeah, mimic a certain person's voice or whatever. But like he says things that he's picked up from me and from my dad and from my mom, and he just kind of formulates his own unique voice out of that. Well, it's a bird. It's a plane.
0: It's <laughs> Brett Lemoyne. There we go. We <laughs> yeah, tied it all together. Exactly. So thank you very much, sir. <laughs> That'll do it for another episode of Definitely Milwaukee. Thank you so much for listening, and thanks as well again to Rodney Ferguson and Brett Lemoyne. We'll see what we can do to get uh, either Tegan or maybe Henry Cavill on future episodes of the podcast. One more thank you as well to the person you didn't hear from, Leanne Watson, who does all the work to put things together behind the scenes. And if you do want more from Definitely Milwaukee, please make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast service. Leave us a review and rating as well, as that really helps things get going here. And you can also download the latest episode anytime on foxxnow.com.
2: Tribune Audio Network.